James Johnson from Pro Football Spot joining us this morning. James, we just had one of our uh, regular callers, uh, Scott Dice, ask me to ask you when you called in, uh, what is the situation with Trent Richardson? What has happened to Trent Richardson? Why can he not lock on with the team? What's the status with Trent Richardson, the former Alabama great? Yeah, well, Trent Richardson was a case of, uh, um, you know, and it happens every now and then of a NFL bust. Uh, this is a guy that in college, you know, he was very good, but now that, or at least, you know, when he was in the league, he really struggled. His big thing, I remember looking at him, um, a lot of his film on when he was with the Colts in Indianapolis, his big thing was reading gaps, which he struggled immensely with. It was times where he went through the wrong gaps uh, and ended up, you know, getting tackled for a loss. There was times where, you know, he tried to cut it back, which he did a lot of in Alabama. But as we know in the NFL, that don't work as easily as it did in the league. And simply, he just didn't translate from the college game like he was supposed to to the NFL game. And he, he struggled as a result. Uh, even when he went with the Raiders. So I think his biggest thing in the league was making the right decisions in terms of gaps and whatnot, and he struggled very, very immensely with that. Interesting take. Uh, a very interesting take. And, uh, you know, we were wondering, um, uh, you know, about certain backs and really players in general, how, you know, some – and it's almost impossible to predict, James, how some can translate to the NFL – Others can't. And, you know, we were talking about Jamarcus Russell, uh, Vince Young, Johnny Manziel. I mean, some of these maybe it's easy to say, like with Manziel, yeah, I could have told you he wasn't going to make it. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, we've seen some other quarterbacks, smaller in stature, you know, the scrambling kind of quarterbacks. Brett Favre right. comes to mind. But, uh, you know, I think it's a lot of it has to do with the mental aspect. And I've said this before. And I'll say it again. If you want to see the biggest difference, and James, I know you know what I'm talking about. If you want to see the biggest difference, you watch an NFL game at field level at real speed, and right. the and the speed of the game is phenomenal. Oh yeah, I'm with you 100. percent Even on, in me and you, and uh, you know, I'm sure Monty's gone down to Jacksonville with you. And Atlanta to watch practices, the practice speed, you know, it still looked like those guys are going full speed. And, you know, if they could hit each other, the quarterbacks wouldn't have enough time to, you know, they only have two to three seconds at best to throw the ball, even in practice section. So, you know, the speed of the NFL game is just simply, is a lot faster than it is in college. And a lot of people, struggle with that speed translating um and a lot of cases that could be in a running backs case like it was with trent richardson because hey look they only have a certain amount of time to go through the gaps that they need to get through and it is certainly closes faster than it does in the college part of uh football i'll go back to trent richardson for a second and and i'll tell you whenever cleveland traded him to indianapolis um, I remember thinking then, I was shocked that that, that occurred. And I remember a lot of people were too. You just got to wonder it, it, then if Cleveland, and he was having a pretty good year. 
But you got to wonder if Cleveland didn't see something, maybe that there was, you know, and this is what those guys get paid to do. You know, they get paid to not only look at the the, the talent level now, but uh, the prospects of of how they're going to be, you know, uh, you know, in, in the in the near future. And you just got to wonder if some of the uh, the folks that again get paid to do that kind of thing maybe saw a slight decline in Richardson, and that was the reason that he was traded. It's a possibility, and uh, another thing worth mentioning with Cleveland is that they're, you know, in terms of personnel department, their personnel department has been in a flux, and they've been they've been struggling over the point, you know, over a period in time with drafting, and they've been uh, struggling with their front office personnel. Uh, you know, this is a team that shuffled their personnel very often, and we've seen it again this year. Um, they finally got in. I forget the um, the young man's name, but they got in somebody to um, run the operations there in terms of personnel and um, whatnot uh, from the MLB. Now, hopefully, this guy gets it right in terms of you know putting the right pieces in place. But that's just the organization that you know. I'm nothing against Browns fans, but they've struggled to get the right people, the right football people in place to make the right football decisions in terms of personnel and not just personnel, just, you know, football decisions in general. And you got to wonder if their scouting department was right at the time on the players that they were trying to get. So that's another question that we got to ask ourselves. Yeah, and and the guy you're talking about is Paul DiBattista. Uh, He he was the guy from the New York Mets who is kind of a – uh, what what what's the new um, uh, what what's the new uh, statistical um, advantage that teams are looking to get? The, the name escapes me right now, but uh, they call it the, the nickname. They call it is Moneyball. <laughs> it's a nickname. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it's what it's what the it's what made the Oakland A's so successful. And of course, we correct. we know the, the the movie that came out that highlighted. Uh, Billy Bean, you know, and uh, and and of course, uh, all of the uh, statistical uh, research that goes into players and uh, and their history, and that's kind of what this uh, Deepa Testa is going to do with uh, the Cleveland Browns, or at least that's what they're counting on him to do. And it could change the way NFL teams look at doing business and selecting players. And it kind of goes back to what we're talking about. You kind of look behind the scenes. You take that second look. You peel back that layer on certain players uh, beyond the obvious that we see on the field, and you kind of maybe get an insight as to whether a player is going to make it or not. Talking about the Trent Richardsons, Johnny Manziel's, and and the list goes on. Right, right. And uh, on Cleveland, real quick, you know, for their fans, it, you know, it appears that their owner, Mr. Haslam is trying to get it right. You know, he's trying to figure this out. And, you know, he made a step in the right direction yesterday. We talked on this uh, when they got Hugh Jackson, very good coach, um, somebody who's a leader amongst men, a no-nonsense type of guy, a smart offensive mind. I think they looked over there in their division and they saw what Cincinnati was doing and the success they was having. And they were looking at Andy Dalton in particular and A.J. Green and those guys. And they're like, hey, we might want to snag one of their coaches. And it appears that the Browns are are trying to get it right, and they, you know, they understand where they messed up and where they went wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
talking with uh, James Johnson from uh, ProFootballSpot.com. Talk about, too, boy, the uh, coaching carousel was wide open yesterday as uh, NFL coaches were hired all throughout the league yesterday. How many was there? Three, four uh, transactions announced yesterday, and the biggest one, uh, and i got to be honest with you, didn't see it coming as um, the uh, the San Francisco 49ers had tweeted out late yesterday afternoon that they had come to terms with Chip Kelly. And i got to be honest with you, when I first heard that, I thought, yep, that's the guy that they need there, especially to possibly resurrect Colin Kaepernick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the announcement came from their owner, Mr. York, uh, via Twitter, who, uh, ironically, I, reportedly, I heard he was going to stay off Twitter, but uh, I guess it was such a good announcement that he had to make it official and whatnot. And it surprised me as well as it did you because, you know, the reports out there at least led me to believe that Mike Shanahan was like the lead guy there. At least that's how it sounded. So when they announced Chip Kelly there, you know, it kind of surprised me. But then again, it's a great fit because of what you said with Colin Kaepernick. They got spread offense pieces in place with Kaepernick. Um, Torrey Smith is a deep threat in the league. He's a guy that hasn't been as good as he was when he was with Baltimore, but nonetheless a speed downhill guy that Chip Kelly, you know, he just he seems like a Chip Kelly type receiver, somebody that Chip Kelly would have recruited when he was at Oregon. And even like if you look at the backup situation, Blaine Gabbert, who came from Missouri with Coach Gary Pinkle, spread offense there as well. So, you know, it's a lot of those pieces there in place. Um, and then again, it might be some players that Chip Kelly might want to trade, but he's not in charge of personnel decisions this time. And I think he figured it out that, hey, you know, I just need to stick to the coaching aspect of the game. And, uh, you know, let uh, the, the GM over there, his name is uh, Trent Balky. let Trent Balky make the personnel decisions, who has made some good personnel decisions in terms of drafting. So yeah, it'll be an interesting match. And I think, you know, him and Balky could have a better, you know, result than he did in in Philadelphia, at least. Hey, I hear Doug Marone has uh, interviewed for the uh, for the Tennessee job. Yes, he has interviewed for the Tennessee job. Um, and then I did also re- read a report that the um, GM that the Titans recently hired was hired to possibly keep Mike Malarkey there. He was a guy that, you know, they wanted there because of, you know, should I say his leniency to want to keep Malarkey, at least for a short period of time. So maybe that's why they hired that GM. And then again, I don't know. but um, John Robinson. Yeah, not. Yes, John Robson. To my knowledge, uh, Marone has done, I think, I might be wrong on this, four head coaching interviews, and uh, the Titans was his most recent. Um, from what I hear and read that he did impress him. Bill Marone is a you know very intelligent coach, knows his stuff. Uh, people have called him around the league simply. He's a, a lineman whisperer, so to speak. I so, like that. I've never heard that yeah. description. Yeah, I've heard, uh, you know, I heard of people being a quarterback whisperer, but never a lineman whisperer. But this is a guy that when he was in Buffalo uh, for the short period of time that he was there as a head coach, he won eight games, eight or nine games, if I'm not mistaken. He was successful over there, and he's getting attention, um, especially when you see what Blake Bortles has done, especially when you see what um, 
the, the offense in general, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, you know, that'll really get people's attention too because at the end of the day, you need an offensive line, which, you know, our offensive line has been mediocre, but they've been good enough to give Blake Bortles enough time to do the things that he's been doing. 